Hi, welcome to the Vine Church podcast. This week we have Pastor Aaron Dowds. He's going to share an amazing message. Enjoy. Good morning. Welcome to Resilient Athletes Part 2. If you're using the YouVersion Bible app, you can go onto your menu just now, select events, and your location tracking device will find the Vine Church Resilient Athletes Part 2. And if you click on there, you'll have all your notes for today. Well, I don't know if you heard Alan shared some verses this morning, and unbelievably, Alan read out this morning the same verses that I have selected for today. I don't know how many thousands of verses there are in the Bible, but the probability of Alan choosing the exact verses that I'm going to preach on today is uh, very, very slim indeed. It's evidence that Alan has got a prophetic gift. He hears wonderfully from God, and uh, thanks, Alan, for sharing those verses this morning also reminds us, even if you park in a parent and child parking spaces, you can still hear from God. So thanks, Alan, for sharing those verses. Resilient Athletes, part two. Here we go. We looked at the definition last week that resilience can be defined as the ability and tendency to bounce back. And bouncing back is what we do when we face disappointment, defeat, and failure. But instead of wallowing or letting things keep us down, We get back up and continue on with our lives. Last week, we looked at the example of Yusra Madrini from Syria as a resilient athlete. Here's another great example this morning. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this video. As the professional men and women battle for a world championship, back in Kailua Bay, some of the age group athletes are still coming out of the water. Justifying this kind of effort requires a faith and a drive that goes a little beyond. Inspired by what father and son Dick and Rick Hoyt did 27 years ago. That is certainly the case for Jeff and Johnny Agar. As a young man, Jeff played professional baseball. Johnny was born with cerebral palsy and is severely limited in his physical ability. But here, in Ironman, with his dad, these two have all the ability in the world. Johnny's very limited with what he can do on his own. Knowing that, and knowing that Jeff had this athletic background, I thought, it's going to be impossible for him to bond with this with his son. I don't know how he's going to do it. And I was scared that that was going to be a huge wedge. In 2009, we did a race together, Johnny and I. Uh, we did a 5K. And I thought, well, how big a deal can that be? And so the first race, uh, we had to gut out three miles. And uh, there's like an 80-year-old power walker was, was kicking my butt for about two miles. I, I could hear him breathing behind me. He was dead tired after after that. And I kind of prodded him on a little bit saying, you know how much I, I really enjoyed that? Let's see if we can do it again. I said, Johnny, if you're going to do more of these things, we got to start training. So we joined a running group, started doing more and more. After that, we were doing 5Ks every weekend. Uh, and, uh, you know, that kind of brought our family together. When Johnny and Jeff ran their first race, he just lit up. 
loved it. He smiled the whole entire time. Johnny was definitely hooked. We kind of said, well, maybe we could do a, a small triathlon with him. You know, the next year we'd do the longer distance and a little bit longer, a little bit longer. I think having a special needs child gets you to keep thinking, you know, what can you do beyond what you're doing today to, to get them involved in stuff that they love to do. We're just doing what we love. Um, together as a, as a father and son competing in sports. When you can do that with your father, I mean, that's, that's a dream come true. Jeff and Johnny Agar have not made the bike cutoff, and their race has to end. Fought a good fight, guys. Nice. Yeah, All right, bud. Well, we gave it our best for today. Yeah, sometimes, sometimes you win, sometimes you learn. So we're not kidding about the wins. Moments of defeat are just moments, and moments pass. The Agars will compete another day, wiser and stronger and even more determined to experience the magic of that line. I don't know if you heard what he said at the end there. Wasn't that a beautiful video, a powerful video, a great example of a resilient athlete? Did you hear what Johnny Agar said at the end there? You had to listen very carefully. Did anyone know what he said? <laughs> oh, you bunch of cheats. It's up on a large screen. Absolutely. Sometimes you win and sometimes you learn. The saying normally goes, sometimes you win and sometimes you lose. But I love the fact that Johnny there had learned somehow that sometimes you win and sometimes you learn. Benjamin Barber puts it this way, I don't divide the world into the weak and the strong or the successes and the failures. I divide the world into the learners and non-learners. Sometimes you win, sometimes you learn. Benjamin Barber divides the world into learners and non-learners. Why? Because failure is nothing but a great opportunity to learn. You know, resilience means never giving up. Keep on learning. Keep on trying one more time. Just like this little baby bear that you've maybe seen on Facebook video this week. Here's a great example of resilience from this baby bear in Russia climbing a snowy mountain.
Wasn't that just amazing? I love watching that video of the little baby brown bear trying to climb up that snowy mountain. What amazes me is how relaxed mama bear is. Isn't it fascinating that mama bear's not a helicopter parent? She could have put baby bear on her back. She could have stayed behind baby bear. She could have not allowed baby bear to experience failure or slipping back. But no, mama bear was relaxed. She wanted baby bear to learn. Um, she knew that you win some and you learn some. And when you slide back down that snowy mountain, you learn one more time. You get back up and tremendously climb that mountain, that snowy hill, one more time. What a beautiful picture from God's creation of resilience, of bouncing back up and getting to that top. And mama bear's like, eventually, baby bear's got it. Well, Dr. Carol Dweck in her incredible book, Mindset, mentions the example of Bernard Loiseau. And reading from page 34 of her book, this is what she says. Bernard Loiseau, however you say it, excuse my French, okay? I'm not going to swear, but my French pronunciation. Uh, she says, was Bernard Loiseau was one of the top chefs in the world and only a handful of restaurants in all of France received the supreme rating of three stars from the guide Michelin, the most respected restaurant guide in Europe. His was one of them. Around the publication of the 2003 guide Michelin, Mr. Loiseau committed suicide. He had lost two points in another guide, going from a 19 out of 20 to a 17 in the Gaulle Melot. There were rampant rumours that he would lose one of his three stars in the new guide. And although he did not, the idea of failure had possessed him. And Loiseau had been a, a pioneer, a man of tremendous energy. He was an entrepreneur. Besides his three-star restaurant in Burgundy, he created three eateries in Paris, numerous cookbooks and a line of frozen foods. I'm like Yves Saint Laurent, he told people. I do both haute couture, however you say that, and ready to wear. Now, a man of such talent and originality could easily have planned for a satisfying future with or without the two points or the third star. In fact, the director of Gigol, Milo, said it was unimaginable that the rating could have taken his life. But Dr. Car Caroline Dweck, in her book Mindset, she, she gives this um, comment. She says, but in the fixed mindset, it is imaginable. Their lower rating gave him a new definition of himself. Failure has been. That's from Mindset by Carol Dweck. Their lower rating gave him a new definition of himself. Failure has been. She talks about the fixed mindset or the growth mindset. The fixed mindset says you've either got it or you haven't. And so failure then becomes an identity. The experience of failure is not a learning opportunity in a fixed mindset. It's an identity. I am now a failure. I've experienced failure. Therefore, I am a failure. She gives the example of John McEnroe in tennis world, who had a fixed mindset, who always came up with excuses when he lost. Because if he experienced failure, he accepted identity of failure. And because he couldn't accept identity of failure, there was always someone else to blame. And the problem with the fixed mindset is it doesn't learn. John McEnroe would blame uh, the umpire, he would blame whatever, he would get angry. But the growth mindset says it's not about those that have and have not. 
It's about learning. It's about growth. It's about each opportunity of failure. Failure gives us the opportunity to learn. We read last week the definition of resilience. It's that ineffable quality that allows some people to be knocked down by life and come back stronger than ever, like baby bear. Rather than letting failure overcome them and drain the resolve, they want to they find a way to rise from the ashes. And I want to focus on the last part today. Rather than letting failure overcome them and drain the resolve, they find a way to rise from the ashes. How can you learn to overcome failure? How can you learn to deal with failure? How can you learn to experience that failure without it becoming your identity, without you labeling yourself and believing and acting like you are a failure? Now, this song describes resilience wonderfully. It talks about rising a thousand times again. Are you here today? Have you fallen? Have you slipped like baby bear back down that mountain? Have you pitched your tent on the rocks at the bottom of the mountain? Well, today we want to encourage you that the Holy Spirit come and minister to you as you listen to this, to this song. It's time for you to rise for the thousandth time again. song before. Isn't it a beautiful song and what a voice. It's time to rise again. Now John Maxwell in his book Failing Forward he says this, when it comes right down to it I know of only one factor that separates those who consistently shine from those who don't. The difference between average people and achieving people is their perception of and response to failure. Nothing else has the same kind of impact on people's ability to achieve and to accomplish whatever their, their minds and hearts desire. That's John Maxwell in his book, Failing Forward, page two. He says, the difference between average people and achieving people is their perception of and response to failure. Let me ask a question. What is your perception of and response to failure? Do you let it define you? Do you allow disappointment, pain, hardship, difficulty, experience of failure or mistakes or error. Maybe it was passing uh, an exam. Maybe you didn't pass an exam. Maybe you didn't get into the university that you wanted. Maybe something happened in life that caused you to slip back. Have you allowed that to label you as a failure or have you seen it as an opportunity to learn some new connections, 
learn something new, learn something new about yourself, learn something new about the world and allow that as an opportunity to grow, to make new connections, to learn where you're weak, to uh, identify with your weakness, to be comfortable with your weaknesses, but not allow your weaknesses to define you, to use them as opportunities to grow. And did you know that entrepreneurs fail on average 3.8 times before they make it in business? Entrepreneurs don't allow failure to define them as failures. They see it as an opportunity to say, okay, what did I learn through that business failure that I can apply to my next business to make the next one successful? What new connections do I need? What new expertise do I need? What need new training do I need? But let's crack on and rise up that hill one more time. In Leadership Magazine, J. Wallace Hamilton says this, The increase of suicides, alcoholics and even some forms of nervous breakdown is evidence that many people are training for success when they should be training for failure. Failure is far more common than success. Poverty is more prevalent than wealth and disappointment more normal than arrival. He says that many people are training for success when they should be training for failure. Have you ever been taught how to deal with failure? Have you ever had a class in failure management? Well, we need to. We need to train because here's one thing for sure. If you've gone through life and never experienced failure, we are very lucky. Most people have experienced some form of failure, mistake or error. But the truth is, if you haven't received, experienced it, we will at some point. You may be experiencing failure right now. You may be experience failure in the future but all of us need to learn and be trained how to deal with failure so we can respond well not allow it to identify us and label us as a failure resilient people do not let failure overcome them or define them isn't that great isn't that wonderful here's a great quote every successful person this is by John Maxwell every successful person is someone who failed yet never regarded himself as a failure. You see, you can experience failure, but it doesn't make you a failure. You can have failure in your life. Now, how well do you handle failure? What's your response to failure? Setbacks, obstacles, errors and mistakes. Well, here's an example of one guy who's struggling with dealing positively with failure. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this video. Get excited, kid. I've been here before. Ah, uh, this is embarrassing. I'm a professional golfer. No, it's a short game that's embarrassing. Come on, let's go. He's <laughs> 
from the film Happy Gilmore and uh, a, a, a funny example of how not to deal with failure. Now here's the key. You need a settled identity to be resilient. You need an identity that does not change with failure. See, nothing should be able to affect your identity. No incident in your life, no mistake, no error, no experience of failure should make you think that you are a failure. See, your identity is who you are and whose you are. It's a description of who you are and whose you are. Now, if you've put your trust in Jesus Christ, the truth is that through his death on the cross and through his resurrection, you're adopted into his family and you become a child of God. That's who you are and whose you are as the fathers. You now belong to him. You're adopted. You are loved. And to be adopted as a child in his family it means you're in his love. There's this description, you're now in his love. You're in his care. You're in the safety of his hand. The hand that holds the world is the hand that holds your hand. And as Lindsay wonderfully described in her talk recently, that there's been evidence that when you hold hands, the brains sink. They come into synchronization and things like peace and calmness can be transmitted just by holding hands. Well, when you think that you're holding the hand that holds the world, then your brain can sync with God's. Your, your peace can come. Anxiety and stress can be alleviated. But the key is to be in his love. This means to be in a secure father child relationship. You're in his love. You're in his care. You're in his hands. And that's the identity that you need. Being in his love is the game changer for your identity. You see, it means that dad's with you. It means that dad's got this. It means that dad's holding your hand. It means dad's in your boat when you're going through a storm. It means dad's carrying you when you're in your toughest season. Now, to be in his love is the key to be able to be resilient. And being in his love means there is no fear. Why? Well, you're in his love. And perfect love drives out fear. Because the question is, will failure, mistakes, errors, hardship ever separate you from his love? No. Why? You're holding his hand. And when you're in his love, then perfect love drive, 
drives out fear because you may be in a dark place. But when you're holding daddy's hand, it's okay. You don't need to be afraid of the dark. Dad's got dad big and mighty and strong and will care for you whatever happens. Dad can see in the dark. Dad knows it's all going to be fine. The key is being in his love. Will mistakes, errors, hardship ever separate you from his love? Romans 8, 35 to 39. Who shall separate us from the love of God? Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered a sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all, all, all these things, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any other powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. What beautiful, powerful verses from Romans 8, 35 to 39. Now Paul asks the question, what can separate us from his love? And the first thing he mentions is, shall trouble shall trouble be able to separate us from his love. And trouble is from the Greek word thlipsis. It means pressure, oppression, stress, anguish, tribulation, adversity, affliction, crushing, squashing, squeezing, distressing circumstances. And the word is used of crushing grapes or olives in a press. The question is, Paul asks, shall trouble Shall pressure, oppression, stress, anguish, tribulation, adversity, affliction, crushing, squashing, squeezing, distressing circumstances separate you from his love? The resounding answer is no. In all, in all pressure, in all stress, in all adversity, in all squashing, squeezing, distressing circumstances, you are more than a conqueror through him, Jesus Christ, who loved us. How did he love us? He went to the cross, shed his blood and died on our behalf so that we could be in his love. We could be united with the Father. We could be adopted as his children. And there's an example there of crushing grapes in a press. And apparently they still do this in some countries of the world, apparently in Portugal. And apparently it's not that easy. They t it can take several hours. And as you can see in the wee gif there, um, in some cultures, they dance with the help of some alcohol to help them dance for several hours to crush the grapes. Apparently they use disinfectant on the feet before they tread in. So you can drink your wine with confidence that it's going to be safe. I don't know if that kills viruses, but hey... It's still practiced in some countries, so you can have Portuguese wine and be confident. But most of the, the great pressing is done by machines, but there are still some done with, uh, with the feet. But the question is, if nothing can separate you from his love, then think about it. Nothing can change your identity. Why? Because your identity is you are in his love. You need to get this. Nothing can separate you from his love. That means nothing can change your identity. Nothing can change your identity. Not failure, mistakes, errors, and even sin. Why? Because even with sin, Jesus Christ died upon the cross so that in him we can be the righteousness of God. Our sin is forgiven. We confess our sin. He forgives us. So nothing can change your identity as a child of God. Nothing can remove you from the palm of his hand. Let's read together nice and loud. Nothing can separate me from his love. Therefore, nothing 
can change my identity. I may fail, but I am not a failure. I may experience failure, but I am not a failure. In all things, even in failure, I am more than a conqueror. Now, some of you don't look as if you believe that right now. But we need to get this. We need to meditate on this. We need to repeat it, speak it out, learn it, and believe it. Let's repeat after me three times. I am more than a conqueror. Come on, let's say it with confidence. I am more than a conqueror. I am more than a conqueror. If you truly believe this, uh, what great impact it would have on your resilience, physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual resilience. Carol Dweck in her book Mindset says this, even in the growth mindset, failure can be a painful experience, but it doesn't define you. It's a problem to be faced, dealt with, and learned from. Failure can be a painful experience. Of course it is. It's difficult, but we need to learn to deal with the, the pain, not allow it to define us. I am not a failure, and it's just a problem that needs faced, dealt with, and learned from. And the key is learning from failure. Become a learner. Be teachable. Allow failure to teach us. What do we need to learn? Now, when Paul said in all these things, he knew from first-hand experience. He says, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. He wasn't just talking um, out of from an office. He wasn't just talking uh, out of some second-hand experience. In 2 Corinthians 11, 23 to 27, we see that Paul had experienced all flipses. He had experienced all forms of trouble. He, it says, and this is just a very short section, he says, I've worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. And then he goes to say, and all these things, we are more than conquerors. Paul knew that even despite experience of apparent failure, difficulties, mistakes, errors, uh, persecution, tribulation, difficulty, that in all these things we are more than conquerors. Why? Because he realized that God works all things to the good. God works all things like he did for Joseph. What did Joseph experience? He experienced difficulty, pressure, wasn't he? He was sold, he was thrown into a pit, he was taken thousands of miles away, he was separated from his loving father. But Joseph turned around and said, God sent me ahead of you to preserve life. You see, Joseph knew and experienced firsthand that God works all things, even the sin of his brothers, persecution, suffering, difficulty, hardship, God works all things to the good of those who love him and called according to his purpose. That's why we're more than conquerors, because even in failure, God can use that failure and can use it for his good plans and purposes. And also the battle is not ours. Jesus is the conqueror. He is mighty and he gives us the victory and he fights our battles in all things. He fights our battles on our, on, on our behalf. Now, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. Now, that word conqueror, more than a conqueror, is one word in Greek. We use four words, more than a conqueror, um, but in the Greek it's hupernikos, made up from hooper, 
which means over, above and beyond, and nikos, which is a noun, which means overcomer, a conqueror, a champion, a victor or master. So you are over, above and beyond, an overcomer, a conqueror, a champion, a victor or master, even in failure, even in difficulty. This is for the truth that we must remember. Rick Renner puts it this way, in Jesus Christ, you are an overwhelming conqueror, a paramount victor, or an enormous overcomer. This word is so power-packed that one could interpret it as a phenomenal, walloping, conquering force. I want you to repeat all this together. Come on, nice and loud together. Let's read this. Through Jesus Christ, I am a phenomenal, walloping, conquering force. Through Jesus Christ, I am a phenomenal, walloping, conquering force. That's what you need to remember when you slide back down that hill like little baby bear. That's what you need to remember when you're experiencing failure. That's what you need to remember when you're experiencing persecution or difficulty. That through Jesus Christ, you are a phenomenal, walloping, conquering force. Pastor Ray Steadman puts it this way. If we barely manage to win our way to heaven by the skin of our teeth, we could be said to be a conqueror. But a more than conqueror is someone who takes the worst that life can throw at him and uses that to become victorious. More than conqueror is one who by the grace and gift of God and in the strength of God within him actually takes the very things that are designed to destroy him and they become stepping stones instead of stumbling blocks. That is being more than conquerors. I love that. He says, it actually takes the very things that are designed to destroy him. Joseph's brothers tried to destroy him. They threw him in a pit. They sold him. He was taken thousands of miles away. But it says, it takes the very things that are designed to destroy them and they're becoming stepping stones instead of stumbling blocks. The very things that were designed for Joseph to be a stumbling block became the stepping stones that led him to his destiny, that led him. And that's why you could say, God sent me ahead of you to preserve life. Because God works all things to the good of those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. Don't allow stumbling blocks to hinder you. Um, don't allow them to define you as a failure. Allow God to use them as the stepping stones um, to your destiny and what God has got in store for you. Now, Fanny Crosby, she's a composer of thousands of songs, and she was more a great example of more than a conqueror. She got faulty treatment at six weeks old for an eye infection that left her blind. Now, she wrote this poem at eight years old. Oh, what a happy soul am I. Although I cannot see, I am resolved that in this world contented I shall be. How many blessings I enjoy that other people don't. To weep and sigh because I'm blind. I cannot and I won't. Fanny Crosby lost her vision. What is it that you've lost? What is it failure you have experienced? What is it that you cannot do or do not have? Can we learn from Fanny Crosby that I am resolved? that regardless of what I lost and what I don't have, in this world contented I shall be. I should be content with what I have and what remains. And I'll be focused on how many blessings I enjoy that other people don't. That's where our focus, that's where a more than conqueror's focus is. And I won't weep and sigh because I'm blind. I won't weep and sigh over what I've left. 
but I'll be contented what I have which is left because I'm more than a conqueror and I know that he, my father, I'm in his love. I'm in his hands. He's got this. He's in my boat and he works all things to the good of me because he loves me and he's called me according to his purpose. Our confidence, you see, is not in our love for him. It's not Our confidence is not in our love for him because our love can be frail. Our love can be weak. Our love can be falter. But his love, our confidence is in his love for you. It's faithful. It's steadfast. And it's persevering. Know in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. You see, God doesn't promise that we will never go through suffering, but it will never separate us from his love. And that's why we can resilient. This is why we can be resilient. This is why we can respond well to failure. This is why you don't need to let failure overcome you because nothing can change your identity. Nothing can take you out of Father's house. Nothing can define you and label you as a failure even the experience of failure. And that's why Christians should be the most resilient people on the face of the earth. You see, you are made in the image of God. You've got incredible value and worth and dignity as a human being. And failure does not affect that identity. Mistakes do not affect that identity. That identity is rock solid. You're a child of God. You're created in his image. You're in the palm of his hand. That's rock solid. That's unshakable. He's unshakable. Now you can experience failure, yes you will, but that doesn't make you rubbish and a failure. That's massive and that's huge. You can mess up, but it doesn't make you rubbish or a failure. You remain valuable and a child of God, no matter what happens to you. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for sending your son Jesus Christ to die upon a cross, that all who believe in him could be made a child of God, could be forgiven, could be united, could be brought into your home, could be brought into your house. We thank you that you are our Father. We thank you I am your child. Thank you you have me in the palm of my hand. God, I pray that you would help me to be a resilient person, spiritually, physically, mentally, emotionally. Help me, Lord, to not allow the experience of failure to de define me as a failure. Help me, Lord, to climb back up, Lord, like Joseph, each time that you are, because you are with us, God, we shall have success because you are the conqueror. You are with me. And because the conqueror is with me, I am more than a conqueror. God, may our faith rise. May our belief rise. And may you help us, Lord, to have a Christian worldview that trusts in you no matter what our experience. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.